Hey everybody, welcome to Drive Through Review 605. Today we're going to talk about Shadow War Armageddon. And I hear you say, Joel, that's a book. That's not a board game or a box. Well, there was a box. I've got the box here. Now, unless you're super lucky, you can't go and find this anywhere. Although I do one shop in my area that still has a box laying around. Uh, but if you mostly, if you want to buy it nowadays, you can go and get the rule book from your local stop or Games Workshop's website. Uh, the idea behind this game is that it is a skirmish level uh, miniature campaign game. So you're going to set up a band of anywhere from three figures up to about 10 or sometimes more, depending on the faction that you choose. And you're going to be fighting in Asheron or Archeron, however you say that. Is it Archeron or Acheron? It's a hive city on the planet of Armageddon, and you're trying to extract out this Prometheum, which is kind of a generic biological cool material that helps all the different factions do lots of cool technology things. And so you're gonna to put together your little war band of figures and play the game over a course of multiple scenarios. There's six scenarios that come in the book. There's a handful more that they've made available to download for free, and there's even like a multiplayer one, so you can play with three to four players. Uh, but you're going to do that. You get the figures, paint them up if you want, uh, get some kind of terrain. Now, the terrain you see here I've just set up it comes in the Shadow War box. You can still get that terrain uh, kind of in various different kits available online and, uh, and also in your stores. But let's jump in, and this will be kind of a little bit of a deep-ish dive. I'm not going to go crazy on the rules part of it. I will put a link to a playthrough from miniwargaming.com. They do excellent battle reports in this, and they kind of did sort of like a let's play uh, battle report. And just by watching that, it's not too long. You will get a real good sense of basically all the rules that take place during kind of the combat of the main part of the game. And then, of course, there's kind of like an in-between scenarios, kind of quick bookkeeping that you can do to see what happens if one of your figures was shot and they were down. Did they die? Did they have some kind of injury or some kind of other condition? Uh, did they level up and stuff like that? Uh, so let's kind of jump in. I'll kind of give you kind of a more of a high-level overview. I will kind of explain, you know, how combat works and all that stuff, but let's just jump in. Now, I did not set up a whole table. Typically, when I play with this, we're going to load an, a, a table full of just so much terrain because you want to have lots of line of sight blocking, places for you guys to kind of scurry around and hide. Uh, now, this is the terrain that comes in the box or that you can buy from Games Workshop. Now, the really cool thing about this is they have these sort of clip uh, mechanics here. So you got these little pegs that you can see there and there's all these little holes on the bottom so you can kind of clip these in like let's say you wanted to insert that there and then we can put this guy inside there and now you've got maybe a little platform I painted with some blood on there and then you've got these little stands that you can see there those also will peg into there and it also comes with these little ladders here like this you can see it's got a peg there so you can insert that like that. So that's really very modular. I just kind of threw this stuff up and they've got little canisters and things like this that will you can take and put on top of these and just kind of mix it around. And it really kind of fits with any kind of terrain. I throw a bunch of like ruins and stuff like that normally with that. But this is all just Games Workshop stuff. This isn't all of it, but this is almost kind of like two sort of boxes worth. A friend of mine and I kind of did some trading. So I got kind of two boxes of this plus some other random terrain that I like to throw onto the board. Now the first thing you're going to want to do is you're going to want to decide on which group that you want to take. 
Now I've built five different factions because I'm a nut and I like painting. <laughs> I've only played with three of them, uh, but you're gonna get different figures and usually you can find about 30, 40 bucks and you've got basically all the figures that you're ever gonna need. Sometimes you can get kind of like special operatives. So for example, uh, this gal here, she is an Adeptus Sororitas and she is a uh, specialist. You won't, excuse me, a special ops. Uh, so you don't have, have her have to take these. You can just kind of take your basic figures. Here's another one from this team. I'm showing you this one because it's my favorite team. Uh, these are the Sisters of Battle here. I'm actually undefeated with them, but now that I've said that out loud, I'm going to lose. But to counterbalance that, I also made a Gene Steeler Colt team. And here you can see a special gunner here with his heavy stubber. I've never won a game with them, <laughs> but I found that I've been playing them wrong. And that kind of takes me into my next point as you have these different teams that you can choose and play with and the play styles are going to vary greatly. Now I've not played with, but I played against two particular teams. One is the Harlequins, which are sort of like these, uh, well, they're sort of like a riff on the Dark Eldar, which I made a team for, but they're very funky. If you can think of like if Joker and uh, who's the gal from Suicide Squad? I can't remember her name. Uh, and so Harley Quinn, obviously, duh. <laughs> so anyway, Harley Quinn's, they're kind of really jokery looking type of thing. You usually only field three of them. And I played against them. And there's also a Tyranid one. We get like these big Tyranid beasts and they usually only run three, maybe four. Uh, so it's a very different sort of play style versus if you were to play the Gene Stealer Cult team, you really want to kind of play them sort of like in a quote unquote horde mode with a massive bodies. So this would actually be a starting team with kind of two specialists and then you got a little leader. Then I've got these other guys here. When you move along during the campaign, you'll spend some of your Prometheum, your credits to add more bodies to that. So you're going to play them very, very differently. So let's just take a quick little dive uh, into the rule book here. Now this is the rule book that's available online. It's a little bit different than the one that comes in the main box. This is actually a much better rule book uh, because this has all of the different teams. Now the box rule book that you get will only have rules for three of the teams, two that are included in the box. Uh, now this has rules for a whole bunch of other teams. So it goes in and it gives you a really kind of a cool little background and history of Armageddon and the Hive City and all this kind of cool stuff. I recommend reading it. It's also got some nice miniature, uh, you know, paint schemes and stuff you can kind of maybe use or ignore like I did. And then it goes through and gives you the basic rules. The rules themselves, if you just kind of read the book, probably look a little bit more complicated than they really are. It does come with a, kind of a two page sheet, kind of a getting started thing that you can just read and go, okay, I got the basic idea of how a turn's gonna work. And then you can jump in here for some of the details. And we'll go over that in a minute. But then we're gonna jump forward and we're gonna look at where the game actually does get a little bit complicated. And that's when you start looking at the armory, the different uh, weapon profiles and all the different kind of weapons and things that you can sort of kit out with your figures. So if you were to try to like build a warband out of the rule book, it's gonna be a little bit of busy work, a little bit of feeling like homework and kind of writing stuff down and, and adding up kind of the points value to build up your warband. Cause you start out with a thousand points or a thousand credits and then you have to, you know, that's your target number. You need a leader. You can have at most two specialists. Sometimes you can add in a special ops character, which is kind of a one-time use, super powered, awesome character and stuff like that. I would recommend going and hunting down. There's a couple of uh, kind of like, sort of like deck builders, in this case, list builders that you can use. I like Battlescribe. There's also another one called shadowwarzone.com. I'll put links to those in the description as well. 
those are a lifesaver. I don't even know that I could play the game <laughs> without using something like that. Because it, it really, I've wasted tons of hours just kind of clicking around saying, okay, if I give this guy a LAS gun, give this other guy a shotgun, da da da, go back and forth. And maybe I can add in like a photo visor on him. That's going to allow him to, uh, you know, get a little better chance of hitting and stuff like that. So you can kind of tinker around with that. And there's a lot of fun to be had in that as well. But this will kind of give you a general sense of that. But here you can see the basics of your kill team. You need a kill team leader. You need troopers. You're probably going to want to get it specialist early on because they're more expensive and it's harder to kind of buy them over the course of the campaign. So you want to spend the, kind of the early money there. And then you have what's called the new recruits here. So these will eventually, hopefully, transform into troopers. Now they're going to be a little bit cheaper to build. They aren't quite as cool. They, they don't get as many options a lot of times. But a lot of times there's not a huge difference between a recruit and a trooper. So early on, again, you might try to squeeze in, you know, a couple extra recruits versus troopers. And then after they successfully have kind of lived through three games uh, without, you know, taking a, can, without getting knocked down or taking any kind of wound or anything, then they're going to level up to automatically be a trooper. And then they kind of instantly get access to all of the effects of kind of your normal troopers. So that's kind of the gist of the game. You, you get your leader, your troopers, some specialists, lots of new recruits, hopefully. And then as over the course of the game, as you collect Prometheum, uh, you're going to Hang, either choose to hang on to the Prometheum because you're going to play to like a target number, like first team to get 15 Prometheum wins, or you can actually choose to kind of spend that in between games. You're like, okay, I'm closer to victory, but maybe I'm going to cash in one of those Prometheum caches and get a 100 extra credits to spend more and add more guys or, or kit them out and kind of beef up your kill team so you have a better chance of winning next time you play. And here's just an example page. I'm not going to go into any detail here, but you can see uh, the Space Marine Cat Scout Sergeant. That's their leader. They got the Normal Scout, which is their trooper, the Novitiate Scout, which is their uh, recruit, and then the Scout Gunner, and they get some options here. And they give you a list of all kind of the weapons and things that uh, they, they have access to and how many points those weapons cost, because not only do the figures cost points and the weapons cost points, and so you got to add all that stuff up and tinker around and go, oh, I went over by 40 points. What should I take off? What, what can I add on? So they have these for each of these. And in the back of the rule book, that's really what the meat of this is. All of these different kill teams and stuff. So we've got the Skitari here, what they can do. And they talk a little bit about skills, which I haven't talked about yet. And then, like I said, there's six missions in here. And I probably would recommend just kind of playing through these in order as you go. So what we've done is like, okay, we're all going to play kill team fight because we're doing a campaign with some of my friends. So we'll all do that. And then the next game, we'll kind of switch up and play against other partners. And then we'll do scavengers and then hit and run. And then the raid, which is a fun one. And then you have here ambush and then finally rescue. Now rescue won't happen unless you, the result of one of the other uh, scenarios is that somebody gets captured. So then you can trigger the rescue scenario and you can kind of do that how you want. You can play that right away or you can sort of postpone it while the person's being rescued. But at some point you're gonna to try to rescue them or you can just say, screw it, and that person's actually dead if you don't really feel like playing the rescue mission. But at the end of these, you're always gonna get a certain amount of Prometheum. Now the loser of the scenario and the win conditions will kind of tell you how you win and lose because it varies. The loser of the scenario is going to get one Prometheum cash. You're always going to get one. And then the winner is going to get D3. So they're going to, they may only get one. So I rolled a five there, even though that was technically cocked. So in this case, I would have got three Prometheum. So it's possible that the winner and the loser get the same amount of Prometheum. Although there is like bonus Prometheum based on the conditions and stuff of some of the scenarios, as well as these things called subplots. Now, before each scenario, 
each player that's playing in that scenario is going to roll two dice and then you're going to get so that's a seven and so that's boring that says it's quiet there's no result well let's say billy rolls his and he got a three and that says toxic ash so this says any fighters who are down at the end of the mission go out of action on a roll of one to four rather than one to three if both players roll this result, then all fighters who are down at the end of the mission go out of action. So that's really bad. That makes the mission a little bit more scary, especially if both players roll it. Now you can get other ones here, like this corrosive slick is super annoying, but it also, uh, annoying in a good way, it really changes up how you play, especially if you're playing somebody that wants to kind of move around a little bit. Uh, so if you ever charge or run, and you have to roll a die, and then the fighter actually goes down, which is super severe, uh, on a roll of a one or a two. They basically slick on this kind of disgusting oop and goop that's all over uh, you know, the scenario that you're in. I've seen a lot of folks online say they changed that where fighters pinned instead of going down. I'll explain what that is. Um, yeah, that's cool, but I mean, I kind of like the severity of stuff. It really changes up uh, you know, how you play some of the other scenarios. So these are kind of like little augmentations to one of those five or six scenarios that you pick. And for example, one of these is a six. It says the player who wins his mission gets an additional 100 points to spend on their rearm and recruit after that. And if both players do it, then the winner gets 150. So even though you know Billy might have rolled this result of a six, if I win, that's still gonna benefit me. So it's just this little way of kind of mixing things up. And here it just talks a little bit about after you, you roll for the Promethean for the winner, anybody that was knocked out, you're gonna kind of roll on an injury table. Maybe they die, maybe they're captured. It could be that somebody gets knocked out, they can roll the six. This is what doesn't kill you, makes you stronger, obviously. And so they actually get a kind of a free uh, level up type of thing. And then you're able to advance uh, one character or maybe another one if they got this, uh, got lucky and rolled a six. And then you kind of roll on this and then you can kind of choose based on what you're rolling. You get different skills or maybe stats go up. And here we can see the skills. So it's got all of the different uh, kill teams in here and it shows you kind of what types of skills are, have access to their troopers, the specialists, and the recruits. So the teams are gonna sort of tech tree and level up a little bit differently based on what they are, as well as with the Space Marines in particular, because you can you can make them different chapters if you want. So you can, even if you just want to use Space Marines, you can sort of tailor it to your play style. And then here you get all the different skills and stuff and just describes those. I'm not going to get into much of those. And then at the end here, it just gives you, like I said, everything. Now the rules of the game can really, you can really play the game just by reading this last little bit. Uh, like I said, there is a uh, kind of a two-sided page thing that'll get you in and you can just start kind of uh, You can even use that to play with kids probably because it, it just gives you just enough to kind of move figures around and shoot and stuff Now this here is the rules of the game. It's a one two three four um, Five and then there's some profiles here that you can sort of ignore and then whoops And then there, it gives you sort of a kill team sheet to fill out So let's kind of walk through the basic turn sequences and stuff. I know that chart looks scary. It's not actually that scary uh, So let's talk a little bit about that so depending on the scenario, one player may or may not go first or otherwise you're gonna roll off to see that. And then it's kind of an I go, you go. So I'm gonna do my whole turn, move and shoot with all my guys, end my turn, and then go through any kind of recovering cleanup and then it'll be your turn and you can do that. So the first thing you're gonna do is movement. So maybe the Space Marine Scout here, he does a certain amount of movement that he can move up. You measure the distance and move. Now you can go up to double that and that's considered a run. And the, the box game comes with various tokens here. And I think you can order these tokens online. I know you can print them out 
and uh, you know just put them on cardstock or something if you want. You don't really need the tokens after too much time once you learn the game. Maybe just a little marketer, maybe uh, you know the guys in cover or they ran or whatever. So you don't really need the tokens that much, but they're nice to have. So maybe if he ran, which means so after you run, you can't shoot. Uh, but let's say he didn't run, he just did normal movement and you moved all the rest of your guys, you can go into normal shooting. And then you're gonna have a, a ballistic skill on the character that you have. It's gonna be different for each stat. Now the idea is you take seven and you subtract that ballistic skill. So if you had a ballistic skill of four, you do seven minus four and that shows you the number you need to hit. So I need to roll three. So we're gonna roll that here. I rolled a one, so I got a miss. Uh, so it's super kind of wonky. Uh, I wish it was more like 40K or Age of Sigmar where it's like, here's your target number. You just need a three or four. Uh, but you take that seven, subtract the ballistic skill and there'll be modifiers to that and so on. And then you're gonna kind of look at the sort of the cover. So he's got complete line of sight. You can see the whole model in the base. Uh, maybe if he was behind here, you would adjust the target number by a certain amount. So if he's like just kind of in cover, you subtract one. If he's completely, like almost completely uh, hidden, you can just see like a little part of him, less than 50% then it'll be minus two but sometimes he can have like a photo visor on him that you could equip and the photo visor for example if you didn't move then you can uh, add one to your uh your modifier so maybe he's here and it's a minus one but you've got a photo visor so that'll cancel it out that kind of thing now sometimes it could be like a seven plus to hit and in that case what you need to do is you need to roll a six let's say it was a seven and then you're going to roll a die and then if you get a four or higher so 50 percent chance there then you'd be able to do it if you needed an eight plus then you need to roll a six and then a five or higher. So you can get at somebody that maybe is like really far away. Sometimes there'll be modifiers based on the weapon and how far away you are and all that kind of stuff as well. Now, once you get a hit, the first thing you're gonna do is you're gonna pin that character there. So you're just gonna put him on his back. Now that's different than being down where you're gonna put him face down like that. So first, if you get a hit, he's gonna be pinned. And if he's on the edge like this, then you have to roll to see if he falls off and then he may actually take damage. So if he was here, you would sort of take the inches in strength and apply that level of toughness uh, to his, uh, excuse me, that level of strength, his toughness. But let's say he didn't fall down, he just did like this. And then you're gonna look at the strength of the weapon versus the toughness here of this character. And then you're gonna look at this chart. And so this is where the chart comes in, but you will kind of quickly memorize this. So let's say we had a strength uh, five weapon on a toughness five uh, character. So then you would need a four to actually do a wound. So you can see they're kind of even, so it's a 50% shot. But let's say you had a strength six weapon on a toughness four, so you only need a two to wound and that kind of thing. So that's this, where that chart comes in. And you kind of quickly will sort of memorize this. You kind of look at the difference. If they're even, it's always usually gonna be a four. And if it's just a little bit over, it's gonna go up three to five and stuff like that. So then you're gonna roll the wound. So maybe we roll that to wound. For each wound, so maybe sometimes you can get a weapon that has a rapid fire, and so you, or sustained fire, wrong game. So you have to get like D3 shots. So maybe we got that, so you roll two of these hits, and then for each hit you roll a wound and so on. So you're gonna apply all of those wounds. And then for each wound that applied, so maybe we got two wounds on there, the target is going to roll, and they're gonna see uh, what happens to them. Now six is bad because that'll knock completely out of action. He's gonna be quote unquote dead. You're gonna roll after the game to see what happens to him. If you roll a one, then it's just going to be a flesh wound. That's gonna reduce the target's uh, weapon skill and ballistic skill uh, by one. If that happens enough, that'll actually remove them out of the game if both of those ever equal zero. Otherwise, if you roll a two through a five, then they're actually gonna go down 
and that's when you're going to put them face down here. And so this is going to effectively be out of the game, although you can uh, try to get them back up and you're going to roll at the end of every one of your turns here. He's going to do a roll again to see what happens. Okay, he's still down, but if he rolls a six, then he's actually, okay, his wounds, he kind of succumbed to his wounds and he came out. But then if you rolled a one, and then you just go back to being pinned. And you, then you would, of course, sustain the negative for your uh, ballistic and weapon skill. Now, let's say he didn't shoot him, but he was close enough that he could get off a charge. Now, the only uh, way, or I should say the first thing you have to do, if you have any charges, you're going to move in and get into contact with them. And then you're not going to be able to shoot, obviously. And this is somewhat similar, uh, but you're going to have both, after everybody's shot, you're going to go resolve all of the close combats. And it gets sort of complex when you have like multiples in, in play here. So maybe both of these guys were in combat with that. I'm not going to walk you through all that, but you, it's really easy if you walk through uh, all of these here and how that actually works. But let's say he's got uh, two attacks here and he's only got one attack for some reason. And then you're each going to roll off on your ballistic or your weapon skill. And then you're going to add modifiers. Since he charged, he gets a plus one. Uh, maybe this guy was like on higher ground. So he would get a plus one. And then like, so if maybe he rolled a one, he would whiff, so he would give him a plus one and so on. And then you're gonna take the number of hits this player had versus the number of hits the other player had. And then whoever has the most is gonna be quote unquote, the winner of that close combat. Now, if there's a tie, it's gonna go in favor of the attacker. And then you're gonna to roll to wound in the same way. It's gonna show you the strength of the attacker and sometimes you'll get a modifier like let's say this was a power sword that maybe would give a modifier to it and then you apply the ones um, one thing i forgot to mention is the defender actually gets a saving throw in shooting and attacking can't believe i forgot that so for each wound let's say we got two wounds on the defender they would get to roll their armor save which in that case would not probably save it but like these guys here these chaos marines they have a, a better uh, power armor so they get a higher save and then these guys just have kind of your everyday armor so they have a lower armor save so you can roll that to prevent the wounds and then at the end of your turn let's say this guy was pinned at the start of his turn like that at the end of his turn he's just going to get up now if you're down like that then again you, you have to whoops and fall then you have to roll uh, and again, see what if you stand up or if you, you know, maybe you're out of the game or if you get a weapon skill modifier. But all that happens at the end of your turn. Now, one thing that's going to happen at the beginning of your turn is depending on the scenario, you're going to take a bottle test and you're going to take your total count of starting forces like these Chaos Marines. My kind of my starting warband is uh, five of these guys. So if it's like a third or a half of them are either out of the game or down, then you have to start doing a bottle test. And in that case, you're going to roll 2d6 and you want to then uh, roll under your leadership in that case. So let's say that the cast Marines had a leadership of eight uh, then, and usually use the leadership of your leader. If not, then you take the highest leadership on the board. If they had a leadership of eight, then they would be fine. If you fail the bottle test, then you bug out and you lose. And that's typically the way the scenarios will end in a loss. Uh, sometimes you'll have a win condition and then that will trigger it as well. And sometimes you might actually voluntarily bottle without even having to roll because each of these guys that's down or there's out of action, you're going to have to make a roll test at the end of the game after the combat and everything has been resolved. And that's more people likely to accrue injury and stuff like that and maybe decimate your team. So you got to be very, very cautious about what you're doing because these guys are both here 
uh, very sort of scarce and spare and special resources. They're not kind of like throwaway troops. Now there's some other different rules, like you can hide if you're in cover. You've got some of the weapons here that are gonna use some of these different templates. Now these come in the box itself that I have, but you can also buy these separately from Games Workshop. Like this one here is a flamer template, so maybe you would just go from the gun point there and then you know shoot it out towards, towards whoever. And these are usually just gonna be automatic hits and then maybe you'll roll, there's a special scatter dice that will you know, roll and, and sometimes if you miss, you'll, you'll hit different areas or maybe a grenade you'll throw and it'll bounce around and stuff like that. Um, that's pretty much the game. I just wanna talk a little bit about the individual kill teams just to kind of give you uh, a little bit of a sense of what you can do and how you can kind of customize it and why I think this is uh, one of the key aspects of the game. So first thing a lot of people might do is they might pick uh, Space Marines. Now these guys here, these are Space Wolves. You can see the kind of emblem there and I kind of painted them this sort of off gray. Uh, I chose to make these guys Space Wolves because you get an interesting kind of special ability with these. Now remember at the beginning I said you take troops versus recruits. Now the Space Wolves cannot take recruits, so everybody is kind of more expensive. Uh, now right now the current status of this team, and they've won some and lost some, is these five fellas here. So I've got this leader here, and I kind of tricked out his, uh, his scout armor with his little shoulders to kind of remember that he's the leader. And then you can see these got some special weapons here. They've got the plasma gun here and this flamer. Now they can take some different special weapons uh, that other players can't. I mean, you can take uh, you know some other things that they can as well, uh, but I chose to just do them because I like kind of the space with floor and stuff, and I like the paint scheme. And what I did is I went and got a tactical squad, a space marine tactical squad, and so I was able to grab some of these weapons and then sort of uh, put them onto these scout models here, and then it also gives you access to uh, some of these veterans. So, well, like I was saying. Sometimes you can get one-shot special use characters like here I've got this guy Lord Crumb and I'm just kind of using him as an apothecary even though that's not what he is <laughs> I just really like this model. So if I want uh, Before a game I can choose to spend one of my Promethean caches and bring in this badass here And this guy's a really good healer and stuff and he, he's just really good Or I can bring in maybe this big guy here with a, a missile launcher. So you can bring in these extra veterans. And it, you can even bring in like a Death Watch veteran. Uh, these guys are just really good because they've got the special power armor like I talked about. And then I also had a lot of fun with these just to kind of show you what kind of the level you can get to here. I don't know if you can really see that, but I tricked out um, this one here. So this is some, these are women heads here from statuesque miniatures. So you've got her there and this other gal here. And so this is just a way you can kind of personalize your team. I chose Space Wolves. I got these extra veterans, which I may or may not use ever, uh, but I said kind of fun painting them. And I was able to kind of get some special weapons here. Like this guy's a little bit of a modified uh, scout thing with a little conversion there with his, instead of a, a sniper rifle, he's got a, a pistol. Cause I got enough sniper rifles. I don't know that I'll ever need more than these three. Although having played with them a little bit, it might be kind of fun to have a whole bunch of sniper rifles. So you can kind of do some conversions and things like this guy here with a power fist um, and really personalize it and, you know, make kind of a little bit more of a story with it and just kind of fit everything into the rules there. So I had a lot of fun with these. This is my second favorite uh, kill team. Now here are the Dark Eldar. And these are very interesting because you can take uh, drugs during uh, before the game, and then these will give you kind of special bonuses and stuff. And these guys are very sort of uh, soft targets, uh, but you're gonna play a lot of them. They're gonna kind of move around quickly, and they can do a decent amount of damage, especially if you kind of tag team uh, in melee combat and stuff like that. And I haven't had, had, actually had a chance to play with them, 
Uh, but I just kind of, kind of their lore and stuff. And then also like some of their special ops that I got, this is just a couple of them. You can get these scourges here and these guys can kind of fly around and they get like a heavy carbine. Now remember you can only take one of these and you just use it for one game. But you know, if you kind of get maybe a little bit of a lead in terms of the Promethean that you have, you can maybe spend a little bit to kind of, you know, kind of maybe kind of snowball it a little bit where you can get, okay, I'm up by two. I'm maybe on the leader. I can spend one. This will hopefully ensure that, uh, you know, maybe I have a better chance of winning the next game to get even more bonus Promethean from winning that and stuff like that. Or you could lose and then have wasted, you know, that Promethean cash there. Now these guys here, these are Chaos Space Marines. Now these are the Death Guard models from the new Dark Imperium 40k stuff. And these are actually some of the push to fit ones as well as the uh, ones from the No No Fear box. So I had kind of a fun experiment with these. I, I just painted these the other day and I wanted to have some kind of like a Marine, uh, you know, warband that was like full on Marines, it wasn't just like scouts and little dudes and stuff like that. Uh, so you can take these and what you can do with the Chaos Space Marines, you can give them kind of a mark. So these guys are gonna have the mark of Nurgle, which gives them extra toughness. And you can have like the mark of Corn and these different Chaos Gods. And I had fun with this because just a small model count and I took uh, just the basic Citadel Essentials line and just use only the colors from that to try to get at kind of an interesting look and feel. Just kind of limited my color palette. So that's kind of a fun thing that you can do is you can do like a painting, you know, kind of an experiment, uh, you know, with your kill team. Cause you're not, you know, you're not doing like a whole 40K army or whatever, and you can just kind of have fun with that. Now this isn't really the traditional death guard uh, paint scheme, uh, but I saw some inspiration online and stuff and I really like this sort of bone armor uh, style of look there. Uh, that was pretty cool. And so the one thing that I plan on doing, so I just showed you kind of my five starting guys. So you've got your specialist here with uh, a plasma gun. The plasma guns and melted guns and stuff are really cool because it's high strength stuff. And sometimes you need, you're fighting things that cost high strength. But then I may also use here, like maybe after the first game, as I'll pull in some of these, uh, what are these, pox walkers here? And have these guys as uh, just chaos uh, cultists here. And because they have some of these sort of retrofitted uh, they look like guns. Now they're not really used as guns in the 40k universe here. Like he's got sort of an auto gun there, but it's really just a sort of a makeshift blade. But I'm just going to say, you know, hey, you can shoot that. And so these are really fun too. Another fun kind of thing to paint. Uh, and so anyway, that's just kind of showing you some examples there. And then as another example, like I'm going to use this Lord of Contagion here, and he's going to come in as a special operative as a Terminator with a big old beefy uh, melee weapon. And I've got like a Korgrath from Age of Sigmar I'm going to use as a Chaos Spawn as another special ops. So the last team I'm going to talk about, I'm not going to talk about my Genius Toolers because they haven't deserved any airtime because they haven't won a game for me. But to be fair, I haven't been playing them right. Like I mentioned at the beginning, you want to do sort of like a horde mode. Now my sisters uh, have been undefeated and they're quite nice. And you can do a lot of different things. Like she's got the melted gun and she uh, went a long way to help me defeat the evil Harlequins who, which I'll talk about in the review, are probably a little overpowered, but the sisters did beat them. Uh, and then I also, also have this one here, like this is a Storm Bolter, but there's no Storm Bolter in the Shadow War, but there's in 40K, but I just call this like a Heavy Bolter. And like, for example, this one is does a lot of damage, high impact, good range, but if you move, you can't shoot with it. So you've got those kind of considerations here. And then I showed you her the Special Ops. And then I went ahead, I don't know if this is the right exact model, uh, but I used the um, Cannon S here as sort of the leader. And she's got the same uh, equipment. She's got a power sword, even though it's painted to silver. 
and then a little uh, uh, bolt pistol there and so on. So um, I really like this army. I just like how it plays. It's kind of a nice balance between, it's basically like playing a space marine army. You've got a couple of good beefy weapons. Their special ability isn't that great. I don't know if I mentioned, but each team gets a special ability. Like the space marines can uh, auto stand up and stuff like that. Um, the kill team, or the uh, gene stealer culture, they can start the game all hidden, so you can all deploy them very hard to shoot at. Uh, this one, you can sort of pick a phase or pick a round, and you get to reroll ones during the combat phases. Uh, but that, that has come in handy there. But anyway, that's just kind of a little bit of show and tell. Okay, so that is uh, Shadow War Armageddon. So I have to recommend this, but with some caveats. So I would say if you're not able to deal with a lot of luck, <laughs> then this one is not really going to be for you. It's feasible to have your game end in the first round. I have not seen it happen, but it's been really close to happening. And I've seen, I watched some battle reports and stuff on YouTube, and I've seen it where it happens. Uh, so you've got to be sort of in the mindset that that is a possibility. Now, the idea is not to just sit down and then play a single game of this and be like, cool, we're done. Now we're going to go and play another game or anything like that, because it's going to take you some time to set up the terrain and the table. Of course, you're probably going to spend time putting together the minis and painting them and trying to figure out, okay, how am I going to do this? And I'm going to paint a couple of extra minis that came in this box, because after the first or second game, I'm going to bring this specialist in or you know these three recruits. And then hopefully by the third or fourth or fifth game, then they'll all be kind of like leveled up and, you know, my team will be in a good spot. So you really want to sort of plan over the long haul how you expect your team is going to look, you know, towards the end of the campaign. And again, you're going to be playing against, uh, probably, hopefully, other kill teams. Although I will say, and I've, I've heard this online, and a buddy of mine, Matt, from uh, Board Game Replay, he's actually gotten into this game, and he's basically just doing like a two-player campaign, where it's him, I think he's playing, I think he's playing orcs, and the other guy's playing space marines, or vice versa. And so they're just playing the stuff that came in the box. And the game really does set up well for kind of just a two-player campaign. You can just kind of play back and forth. I think probably more than most of these kind of, you know, Frostgrave, Dead Zone, that kind of stuff, this seems like it's really, can be really geared to just do two-player. So if it's just you and a buddy want to get this box or, you know, get some training, each of you grab two army packs and then go at it, it's going to work out uh, pretty well. Now, the one thing it does not have, which I, I hope they kind of come out with sort of an official way to do this or something, but there's not really kind of a catch-up mechanism or sort of a handicap kind of thing, because it is feasible, like my Gene Stealer team has not won a single game. So I've literally basically reset them after every game, because if I didn't, they would be worse off than if I just started a new kill team, if that makes any sense. Uh, or I worked out. I worked it out to where it was more of a pain <laughs> to, to figure out where they're at, and it was like, okay, they're dead, and I just started a new kill team, and that's they're all zero, but we'll start over. So it's certainly possible that somebody that wins all their games, like the sisters or maybe the Harlequins or whoever, wins like three, four games in a row. Another team loses, and they, they end up playing each other. And this team's got like you know more guys and all the cool special equipment and stuff. And maybe they spent the extra Prometheum, you know, and they've got a special ops. And then the other guy comes in, and he's like, I've got nothing, you know, take pity on me. There's not really a good way to kind of balance that. Now, the luck may balance that out a little bit, but it's not like, hey, if you are, let's say, more than three Prometheum, I'm just picking a number out of the top of my head, you know, less than your opponent, you get a free special ops or something. That would just be a very easy way to do that. Or maybe you can take the total number of points because you start out 
going to the thousand points maximum. But then after that, you get the 100 extra credits every round, no matter what. You can cash in a Prometheum to give you an extra bonus 100, so you have 200 to spend. And it's possible that you maybe got lucky and got an extra 100 and got 300 to spend. So you have some money to spend in between rounds, but there's no cap after that. You just kind of keep going up and up and up. Uh, so it's, you know, maybe you could use the point differential. So if, if maybe if we're playing each other and you have 200 or more points of stuff, worth more than me, I get a free special ops or something, or I get a bonus Prometheum. I don't know, it seems like handing out Prometheum would be bad, but maybe if I win, I get like an extra, I get D3 plus one. So I'm at least getting two Prometheum, something like that. I haven't really worked out all the ways. Now there are uh, plenty of sort of mods kind of built in for the game. If you go to Yak Tribe, who has kind of maintained kind of the Necromunda Community Edition, there's a couple things there. Now you can go and just get kind of the rules for Necromunda there. You can also get rules for some of the gangs in Necromunda to actually use in Shadow War. And they've done, I think, three or four of the gangs, and there's like one or two left that they have to sort of port over. Uh, so that's pretty cool. And then I've also seen where Mini Wargaming, I don't know where these links are at, but they have built sort of a campaign using the Shadow War rules but with some of the Necromunda campaign stuff built in. So there's some of the handicapping, you get more like experience points and that kind of stuff. So the campaign itself is more uh, fleshed out. Now, personally, I'm of two minds about that. My only real gripe is that handicap thing because we've seen kind of where, you know, if you want to introduce a new player in, it would be nice to kind of have more of a free flowing thing, but I don't want to get too sidetracked, but I think that kind of the shortness of the campaign, which is kind of one of the gripes I've seen is it's it's kind of like a mini campaign. You don't do a whole lot of configuring in between rounds and stuff. But I really like that because we've got it to where we played, you know, three games in a night and then four games in a night, even though it was kind of like double fisting, uh, you know, two teams at once because we had a player not show up. And we could do that and then you can quickly manage you know, all the sort of post-game stuff. Okay, we've got to roll for these two guys. Okay, he's got an injury. They got a six, so they get an advancement. So I got two advancements. Okay, I'm gonna advance here and here. And I've got maybe 200 extra credits to get. And okay, that's gonna take a little bit of time to figure out. But that's usually done in 15 or 20 minutes. And so you kind of take a break, you set up, you know, change sides on the table, and then you go back at it. So you can theoretically easily play you know, multiple games in like a day. So if you pick a Saturday and a Sunday, you could get through an entire campaign, probably in a weekend. If not, you know, maybe maybe you did it like uh, once a month and then you got a Saturday once a month and then maybe take you three months and you'd be done. And that's really cool. So I like the kind of condensed uh, part of that. You don't have like a base and all this uh, sort of bookkeeping and management stuff. And it, it does kind of suck out a little bit of the role-playing aspect. I mean, that's all the kind of stuff I like in Frostgrave, kind of managing your spells and your base. And even that's not super heavy-handed, but there's a little bit more to it than in this game. But I like kind of the quickness of it. It's, it's a different kind of uh, game where it's not so much extra stuff going on. It's like almost as much stuff happening after the game as there is in the game, which is good. I like that stuff. But it's also nice to have a game where we don't have to do that. We can just get in and just get into the really visceral, uh, chaotic and fun combat and really kind of focus and drill in on that. And that's what this really excels at and that's why I really like it. Um, so yeah, so my one thing is this kind of the, the balancing thing if you get teams out of whack. And thankfully that 15 Promethean might seem like a lot because you start from zero. 
But let's say you win a game, you get three Promethium. Okay, you win another game, you get three Promethium, you're at six. So you're really close, and so that's two games. And you get another, you know, maybe you lose a game, you get one Promethium. And then, you know, so maybe five games. If you got three Promethium each game, you'd be at 15. But you're not going to go, that's probably not going to happen, but maybe if you get up to like six, seven, eight games, then you're done. And the games take not too long, like an hour or less. I mean, I can't see a game going over an hour. I, I, it could, if you get two stubborn players that just won't choose to bottle out. There's like two guys just pew, pew, you know, I'll move here. Um, but you could get a game going up maybe over an hour, but the games themselves are going to be less than an hour. Uh, and you're going to play, you know, eight games maybe, and then the campaign will be over. Um, so there are sort of rumors that there's an expansion or something or some Necromunda something. I personally may have the belief that it's about the new Necromunda video game coming out, but I do hope if they do reinvest into the Necromunda lore, they make them compatible. That's going to drive me crazy if I can't use, I, yes, I know it would be like Space Marines versus gangers, but in the rule book, it says that there are gangs that live on the hive city of Asheron and they have um, lots of extra expertise because they live there in terms of the environment. So if you looked at some of the uh, special abilities and stuff that they get uh, in some of those ported over rules, which I'll link to from Yak Tribe, you can see, oh, I could really see how some of these special abilities would work really well uh, in this setting. And so maybe they'll come out with some gangers or, or release some of the older gangs, even though I wouldn't be super interested in buying those old metal models. Uh, especially at probably the prices they would charge for them. Um, but yeah, so I hope they do kind of reinvest in this or maybe reset Shadow War, I don't know, Cadian or Shadow War Ultramar, some other planet in uh, 40K where it made sense, not those two, but uh, or another city on Armageddon or something. Uh, anyway, so I definitely recommend the game. Certainly the hobby aspect of it is, is the, the, the attraction or the repulsion. Uh, for you. And like I said, you've really got to come into it with the attitude of I'm going to kind of commit to the campaign. If my team sucks, like my gene stealers, then they suck. So like you have to kind of, you know, they just, not that, not that I think they're unbalanced sucky. They're not as good as like the Harlequins and stuff. Like the Harlequins are too strong. You know, that's all our discussion. I would recommend, I'll also link to this, go to the Reddit page for Shadow Armageddon. It's a very healthy Reddit and it's got a lot of good discussion. There's actually a good link to show you kind of how, here's the idea, if you want to choose, let's say, the Adeptus Mechanicus kill team, you like the robotic guys, it's gonna tell you probably how you should start them and how you should progress with them over the next couple of games. That's really gonna kind of focus you and give you a way to kind of start, because it can be very overwhelming, like, okay, I've settled on this team, how many recruits do I buy? How many troops do I buy? So that kind of stuff is really gonna focus you. And so just the whole process of that kind of, you know, just kind of, sinking yourself into kind of a little bit of the lore and the narrative of that and giving names to your different characters and stuff that can be a lot of fun so if you kind of approach it from that role-playing aspect i think it's gonna be a lot of fun and if, if you are one that like me likes the kind of real intricate kind of tactical close combat kind of shooter stuff as well so anyway that's shadow armageddon can't get the box but you can get the book and you can get all kinds of terrain and stuff and have fun with it so thanks